1: A little mad sometimes. Wolfman scars, got nought. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. They're all going to laugh at you! You're
0: listening to the Jersey calls.
2: Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls.
1: That's right. And tonight we are here with a very special guest.
2: Yeah. um, If you are a part of our Facebook group, you will see, uh, or you're very familiar with the name Adam Casey. He posts there often. He's a very old friend of mine. um, And we are so excited to have him on the show. So uh, welcome. Uh, Thanks for joining us tonight.
0: Hey. Hey. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
2: Uh, so we figured that if we're going to have you on, we need to kind of get into your wheelhouse. So tonight we're going to be discussing horror comics that have been turned into movies. We're going to be talking about 30 Days of Night, and we're going to be talking about The
1: Crow. Yeah, and we're going to start off with, uh, to be the lesser of the two. Yeah. <laughs> uh we're gonna start out with 30 days of night which was a 2007 entry from a one david Slade. so yes yeah, so, well first of all I, I kind of am excited to hear your thoughts on all of this because i know you're coming at it as an artist as someone who does drawing um i don't know much about the cartoon so do you want to kind of drop some knowledge on
0: us about um, that? well yeah you know um 30 days of night um i, I guess that you could it's sort of like the little engine that could in some ways um it was the first comic book published by this company called IDW, which stands for idea design works. Um, that started out as people that used to work at image comics, which does spawn and walking dead. Um, and so they started up in 1999. And then, um, they did like an art book. Um, and they really focus on like production quality of, of their, not only of the works that they publish, but also just like the final product. Like it's always like a really nice, you know, cover, nice paper stock. It just, it's just well packaged. Um, and uh, this first issue of 30's of Night came out in June 2002, um, and it's written by a guy named Steve Niles, and um, he started out doing comic adaptations, um, like I Am Legend, and he did some like Clive Barker stuff, um, and then in 2001, he started writing Spawn, um, and that's where he met the artist Ben Templesmith, who's Australian, um, and his earliest works was on Spawn as well. So, like, I, the, the both kind of got their feet wet roughly around sort of the same time. Um, and the art for this was sort of groundbreaking. Um, most people think of comic art as, you know, solid black outlines, you know, uh, shading, cross hatching. Yeah. Ben Templesmith's art is, like, a twisted, funhouse caricature <laughs> of horror. Um, it's just very atmospheric, very uh, spooky, you know, and it somewhat translates into, to the, to the visual of the, uh, of the movie. Um, they, they try to m- mimic that a lot with like the way the eyes of the, of the vampires are kind of like small and kind of pushed apart a little bit, you know, like they're not like dead set, normal human eyes and like the teeth and, and that kind of stuff, but definitely Google some of his art. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, very, very spooky, spooky stuff.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, yeah, that's one of the few things I like, ironically, about it, is the way the vampires look. I think they have a very primal kind of like, you know, like almost animalistic mm-hmm. look to them, and I dig it. Yeah,
2: I definitely like the way that they, their yeah. teeth are different. Although I will say, uh, I now, right out right the gate, I'm going to say that this is the first time I've seen 30 Days of Night. What? Yeah, I've never seen it before. Okay. Um, and I actually, I really liked it, and I feel like that this movie has been, you know, poo-pooed by the public a little bit. I don't think this movie got very well received. No, the
1: critics, like, um, bashed.
2: But it. I I don't know. I really like this movie. I, the one downfall for me, honestly, in this movie is the, uh, the language of the vampires. The almost kind of, like, Klingon-ish, mm-hmm. made-up language. I kind of felt was, like, just... I obviously artistic touch, but I just yeah. that's not in the comics. Stuff.
0: Yeah. They, in the comics, they talk normal. Their there's, there's, their speech balloons are more like the letters are very gnarled and, 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 you know, uh, scary looking for lack of better terms. But um, in the movie, they definitely gave them this sort of fake language, which they created,
1: which is, which is bonkers to me. Like it's bonkers that they'd be like, you know, we should spend a lot of our time and energy on creating a <laughs> fake language for this movie. Like that blows my mind, but it also is fascinating to me that in the comics, they don't speak that. I am fucking done. Di- I am going to be completely upfront and say I haven't read the comics, and now I am dying to because the same reaction I had back in two thousand seven is the one I had now. Holy fuck, what an awesome idea! Wow, did they fucking <laughs> drop the
0: ball <laughs> on? it. You know, it's funny. It's it's Barrow's a real town, first of all. Um, and when Steve Miles was writing it, I don't, I guess, I never really then wasn't thinking too forwardly about it. But the sheriff's name is the name of the real sheriff. It's really. Uh, Olumson, I then I think it's Olman in the comics, but Olison in the movie. Um, They changed it for the movie, obviously. But um, yeah, so it's a real place. Um,
1: Yeah, actually, I did a shit ton of research on the place. I kind of fell down the rabbit hole on this one. And um, it's so what Barrow, Alaska was for a long while is now back to being and it is a real, um, you know, polarized night there. But what I thought was cool was that it's actually 65 days of night that they endure. And what I thought was all it's so from November through January, it's totally dark all the whole time. And the temperatures, the average every day is negative. 30 degrees and the record lowest they've ever had during these like polarized long two months of night is negative 53 degrees like yeah. you can't even I how's how is negative 53 great? any different like,
0: from 30. like negative 30 you know what I mean at
2: <laughs> that point you know there's no amount of like blankets and fluffy socks that are gonna make it better like it really, really isn't. um I realized that we've, we've gone on a little bit and we right. really haven't yeah. talked about like the plot of the movie uh, and for those that don't know, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. But for those that don't know, yeah, sorry. In in this town called Barrow, which is the northernmost town in all of you know United, the United States, States, yeah, uh, it goes dark. Uh, it goes dark for thirty for thirty days, and you see in the movie that some people stay, some people go, um, and those that stay are suddenly overrun by vampires and it comes down to a small group that's left to try to survive there is there's
1: a there's a ragtag crew of townspeople
2: that need to survive all 30 nights can
1: i give a quick shout out to someone i fucking love and i don't know the actor's name because i'm a jerk but the guy who plays bobby on sons of anarchy i have fucking adore him the guy who played like the truck driver oh yeah 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 drove all the weird truck things i yeah he, he's a national treasure. he's the
2: same guy he was in uh vampires yes he was he was he another was one of the guys vampires. in vamp i know it's the him. first thing i thought i'm like
1: oh another vampire movie for him and i'm so obsessed with sons of anarchy <laughs> so okay. okay yeah no yeah. he played i liked his character too um yeah so blah 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 vampires come to town the the head vampire marlo First of all, my big gripe with these motherfuckers is stop playing with your food. <laughs> it's rude. It's mean. Usually I watch a vampire movie, and I'm like, oh, I would totally hang out with that crew. You know, like yeah, yeah. Blade, which is another comic slash uh, fucking... I would love Blade. We need to do a Blade episode. But um, I'm like, oh, I would hang out with all these vampires. Like, Steven Dorff's character Blade, I would, yeah, I would be a vampire. With that. You know, it's, it's like, like so the- many
0: vampire movies, it's always like, oh, it's, oh, these vampires are really sexy, and like oh dreamy and like oh, uh, shirts off and stuff like that and these are very like animalistic like these are creatures of the night literally you know
1: that's true that's true they are hardcore i just i feel like they're just so mean it's like literally watching people get bullied <laughs> <And> now- <laughs> but that's something that i liked about it
2: was there wasn't like the romanticizing of it it was you know it was the hunter it was the prey and they just needed to eat they wanted to wipe them out um but now at the same time, here is where we have another departure from the comic book because, you know, part of the, you know, we're going to skip to the end a little bit, but like they basically destroy the town. Like yeah. we're, you know, setting the town on fire. We're destroying the town. In I know in the comic book, Bad,
0: like a Vlad the Impaler kind I of really, character show not, up and like, you guys are ruining this for us.
2: Yeah. Ah. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, cool. he come, yeah. He comes for Marlowe and he's, yeah, he's basically like, you know, you're making too much noise people are going to start to notice like and yeah they like destroy the town they burn it all down because they're trying to cover their
1: tracks okay right yeah
2: but again like i said i i kind of like the departure of the romantic what? vampire the gothic romantic vampire thing um i'm i'm into the animal thing like i said i know that there was um obviously special effects were done like
1: cgi yeah some of them were a little shitty
2: some of them were but some of them i kind of lights. like some of them i actually and i'm not normally one that's in for uh cgi special effects but some of them one of the uh vampires falls i think on um whatever that one truck the guy <laughs> was driving yeah. that was basically like a gigantic chainsaw in the front of it One of the vampires kind of,
1: like, falls into it and splits in half, and I was so in for that. Dude, I glaze over, though, when there's, like, construction vehicles that are modified with, like, chainsaws and everything. I'm like, what the hell is going on right now? Like, what is this? Is this a real—and I'm sure it's real. I'm sure it's just— way too girly to know any better but like i'm in awe of of how they just have giant fucking you know backhoes with fucking chainsaws on one one of the things that i really like the most about the aesthetic of the movie was just
2: the color palette that they use which i know is very similar to the color palette in the comic book like the blues and the i love that contrast of the super dark red blood against the pure white snow like i I was in for that a hundred percent. Like every time blood was spilled and it was spilled massively because another thing about these vampires, they don't just bite the neck of their victim. They motorboat their victims and they, (laughs) As much like the whole entire time I was watching this, I just wanted to hand us like hand each okay, vampire a nap. Through. Like, oh honey, you got some on your face. So, Adam,
1: your overall uh, like opinion on this movie? Because from knowing you based on our, our site, and I'm so incredibly thankful for your presence there because it's just nice to have other people to interact with. Um, <laughs> you have good taste in movies. So, well, I mean, I think here. um, what's, you know, what's the deal? How do you I, land on this one?
0: I guess it depends on like what you like and. and, and and it's one of the things that I'm one of those people that like, not all movies are for everybody. And I think if you like gross, bloody horror, it delivers. I think there's lots of like gruesome stuff. There's lots of what there's that little girl that gets like, you know, is like bait, you know, for, for the vampires and stuff. So I think, I think it appeals for that. I think, um, I think it, it, it is a pretty close adaptation of the comic. I mean, they changed some things, obviously. Um, um but that i don't really judge movies based off that you know how, how fateful it is because it's every every works its own its own thing you know so um i mean i think it's a perfectly fine movie i think you know it's maybe a it's a, a seven maybe 6.5 i don't know you know depending on on the day um yeah you know, it's 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 perfectly serviceable it's it's a nice movie okay. Nothing else is on and it's on tv hey great you know
1: <laughs> so i'm i'm gonna go a little lower only because I, I, my two major gripes with this movie, the complete and utter lack of character development, which to me, one of the things I love most about comic adaptations is that like I get so, when I read comics, I feel like I know the characters so intimately. So like going into this, having not read the comics, I was like, well, shit. You I won't get you much of that to, like, in the comics. <laughs> <do> the <laughs> honest
0: the, the comics was night. only, it was only three issues. Um, it, it is very much a, a sort of, um, you know, plot driven comic and a plot-driven movie, I think, too. I mean, especially when you have that sort of narrative buffer of, like, okay, it's 30 days a night, all you gotta do is survive. There's not, I feel like, I feel like character kind of goes out the window with those kind of movies. Um, like, uh, what's the, the one with Colin uh, Farrell in the phone, phone booth or whatever. Um, those those kind of things where, like, people are trapped in, like, one location. It tends to not be very character-driven, I feel. Um, and it's more, and this, and I feel like with horror, a lot of the times it is just about the gross out. And i feel like it delivers in that in that respect it's like you don't you're not here for a big character arc and people learning something about themselves you're here for what oh that's so gross
1: no yeah you make a good point it's like my point (laughs) is though then just butt the ball like don't swing for the fence get on first base so my argument here is you're right but my well they're not separated
0: like, in the comics thats was that was an interesting I, when I first when fuck? I watched the movie I was like oh that's not there and I thought that's immediate um emotional baggage and immediate like oh here's something to care about oh, these, these people are at odds you know they were married or, or now are divorced or estranged or whatever um that wasn't in that was not in the comics it was something added as well as his asthma his asthma was added too there's all those kind of those sort of con- you know plot, me uh
1: like constrictions
0: breath. there too it's like oh he's, a character's got asthma they they need to have, or some sort of you know something that requires a medicate like panic room with the girl oh she needs her insulin you know so you have that sort of extra extra concern
1: yeah yeah no you're right and that <laughs> aggravated me too so I'm glad to hear it's not the comic and then my other big <laughs> gripe is when he fucking injects himself and makes himself a vampire, and then he fucking goes to ashes in her arms, I'm like, I can't. I like that's when they lost me. I was like, why am I sitting here? Like Josh Harnett, you are easy on my eyes, but you are not getting an Oscar anytime, sir. Um, like I don't, I just didn't care enough. And then all of a sudden, he turns himself into a half vampire and just can do like ninja pull the guy's head off from within, and like, <gasps> and I was just like, oh. But
0: that's how that's gonna end, huh? Well, yeah, like, that that's in the comic too, and I think that was—I do not really seen them? anything like that in any, to my knowledge, I you know, any sort of like vampire or any sort of like, I guess maybe zombie, something like that, where you could turn into something. Somebody willfully uh, doing that in such a scientific manner, you know what I mean? Like, of like, oh, I'm going to inject your blood into me. Um, I feel like we've never really seen that in a movie before. Maybe you guys can think of something that, like that, that has happened. No.
1: I I had the same thought. I was like, have I seen this before? And I was like, huh, guess I haven't. Um, Which I thought was interesting. But again, I guess he had to die once he did
0: that, right?
2: I mean, I don't know. I I liked it. I like the fact that he, you know, he said like when you get bit, there is a period like the grace period where the bite, I guess, has to go through your system and the whole nine and then you turn. But yeah, he's like, when you take that blood and inject it directly into your blood, you get, like, the almost instant effect, which is why he can go out there and fucking Keanu Reeves on the guy and kick his ass and suddenly has super strength. I, one, you know, I am one that enjoys the gore, so when he punched him through the mouth and then through the back of the head, I was, like, happily cheering and clapping, and Chad, I think, just had, like, one of those what-the-fuck look on his face because he was just like, I don't, I can't, and I'm like, I'm over here, like, Giddy is a schoolgirl that, like, somebody put his fist through the head. Right. Um, you know what bothered me? Then, he didn't even say, "Oop, nup shabop oop, nup before he did it. <laughs> it was straight out of Demon Knight, you know? They stole that <laughs> shit from Demon Knight, bringing it back
1: to Demon Knight, one of the
2: greatest movies Why ever. Why do you
1: keep bringing things back to those <laughs> terrible movies? <laughs> Not terrible, fantastic. Um,
2: fantastic.
1: So the other thing that I found compelling, and I'll, I'm curious to see how you guys feel about this, like, so you have mm. these primal things that are animalistic, and then he's like, god no god and he'll like be like the the broken should be broken like all of a sudden he's like yoda like <laughs> and i'm like bro settle down just fucking drink the blood um, be gross you know and then in go the comics he's
0: more it's is that it, in the i don't the comics, want to say dumb like, he's all but like he he's, he's not like he's not he's he's sort of acting on his own first of all like and what also not in the movie is that there are vampire hunters um coming up from uh New Orleans to they've like they've intercepted like uh messages between Marlowe and uh, in the comics is just signed V, which I interpret to be like Vlad, you know, Vlad the Impaler sort of thing, and um uh they're like, oh something's going on in, in Barrow and so they go up there and check it out. Meanwhile, Vlad shows up and is like, hey, you're you're being an idiot. You're you're leaving all this this evidence around we got to burn the town and, and you know set it straight. Um, so he's not as smooth, I guess, as he comes across in the movie um, as he is in the comics. Um, so I don't know.
1: Okay, yeah, because I, I almost like him better dumbed down a little bit because I think it, it fits in with mm. like the creature primal animalistic style.
0: But fun fact, fun fact: David Slade, the director of Third Days Night*, goes on to direct *Twilight Eclipse*. So this is sort of the last sort of hurrah of. Sort of gross vampires before you know sexy vampires come back into into fashion with that like with that like, that that sexy drip like when they when they like they bite the neck and there's like just a little slight pulsing of blood that trails out like maybe like a centimeter Hmm.
1: and then why did they all just leave
0: uh it, how' is he gonna have a sequel
1: yeah like when he when they when he like put his hand through his head, why did they all just go oh they were like up. Oh.
0: Yeah, all, there's the many comics, um both following up on Barrow. there's uh, called Return to Barrow. there's um Dark Days, which is the next movie. um and there's one that focuses on Evan and Stella like uh, in the past. Um, uh, yeah, so there's plenty plenty of room for for more there, but I think I think that's sort of that's sort of always the way in in horror movies, right? Like you always have an out, you know it's, it's never really over. You never really got all of them you know, you never really killed them all.
2: Yeah. I I took it as kind of like again very animalistic. They have that pack mentality and you know they're the leader, their 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 alpha was just killed, so they kind of have to, you know, scatter, regroup, scatter. Scatter. They have to regroup and you know a new alpha needs to be chosen kind of thing. That's how I took it like you know that they they kind of ran. Like it was their time, they got to run. You know they can't defeat, real. it's yeah. been fun. <laughs> we're out. It hasn't
0: been real fun.
1: <laughs> Arrow, we're out. Um, all right. So, my question to both of you is Would you be able to survive 30 days of no light? Like, minus vampires,
0: 110 yes,
1: really? Okay,
0: yeah. I love the dark, I'm all about it. Yeah, yeah.
1: How about the cold? Could you rock that too? Um, yeah, I'm,
0: yeah, you know, um, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I tend to run hot, so I guess it I don't really mind. I, I mean, negative fifty three, that might be a problem, but we've got like, uh, we got almost a foot of foot of snow here just uh, this past week, and I'm all about it. So yeah, I, I, I could do it. What about you, Jackie?
2: No, I, I definitely could do it. Like, I, I am, I'm that. That means naps all the time without you know having to roll over and like you know when you take a nap and then you kind of roll over and the windows open and you just get hit with that bastard sunlight like i'm all for it i think i could survive i also am like i love the cold i prefer winter and fall over summer and spring so i'm in for the cold that's there's a lot of snowmen that i could make out in barrow um you know just even if like the power goes out just like i've got all those books give me a candle you know, I got my books. I'm good. I'm good for it. I, I definitely would be interested in thirty days a night. Okay, my vampires. If there were vampires, no, I'm dead on day two. Yeah. Like I, I'm absolutely <laughs> dead oh, on too. day I would two. Just <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't run. You're kidding me. I have no stamina. Just go ahead. I'm just gonna sacrifice myself. Y'all take me now.
1: Yeah.
0: So Jackie, you um, tend to give bonus points for beheadings. Yeah. You get bonus points for the scene that is beheaded off camera?
2: No, <laughs> I to see it. I got to see it to fully enjoy it and award bonus points on that one.
0: I thought it was I thought it was a nice scene. I thought that was like I I think sometimes if you can make horror where it's where you're imagining it, like you're imagining like what it would take to behead a, a live human being, you know, like who uh, you know, obviously he's okay with the, with what's happening. You know, he's okay that he's going to have to die. Um, that sort of, and it's just that one shot and there's no cuts. It's just outside the door with uh, Stella just kind of, you know, slunk onto the ground or whatever, onto the floor. Um, I thought that was a nice, I thought that was a nice choice there to have, like, from an artistic sort of standpoint.
2: I agree. No, I do. Because, especially because there is so much blood and yeah, you know a, a lot choice. of it was it was a style choice and i think it was a good because you really don't have to see everything all the time like it's okay to leave certain things to the imagination so yeah i was okay that
1: we didn't see that mm-hmm. i was so annoyed being annoyed by the fact that they tried to give this guy a fucking quick backstory like i was supposed to give a shit
0: oh right, yeah yeah
1: like, he might as well have been like and i never I mean, learned to read now top <laughs> off my head Like, you know, and I I just felt like so much was contrived and so much was just thrown at the fucking wall that like it made it hard to overlook that stuff to appreciate. Like, because it is it's a good rock. Like, I agree. If it's on TV, I'll probably watch it. You know, I've seen it a bunch of times. It's, But like, I just I hate that there's such a cool concept and they couldn't like I almost wish it was like Salem's Lot in Alaska. Like, okay. you know what I mean? Because like Salem's Lot is to the book. I mean, I'm not even going to try to say I don't love the movie too. But like, I almost just wish they were able to give me characters that I loved and was going to root for. Like, spend a little more time with them before the sun goes down. And I think I would have been in all the way. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like the guy that got his head chopped off. I was like, really? <clears throat> oh, now you have a drunk driver killed your kids. Okay. Like, yeah, no, really? I'll agree with that.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, there's always some sort of cheap, manipulation to to you know a movie you know especially like something that's only what's so like an hour and forty minutes I think this movie is uh, you know so you you do have these sort of I like the idea that characters exist. Beyond the movie, you know like they obviously have a backstory it's just a very this guy obviously isn't the lead so it's not something where you could have like him wistfully looking at a picture and you know these those kind of like traditional sort of ways of telling you or showing you that that, that this character has you know these, these sort of demons um yeah. but, but on the topic of beheadings there's the other beheading of uh Billy I believe the character is um what about the, the obviously bonus points for that one right
1: that was a quality beheading yeah yeah Yeah.
0: Now, fun fact: the MPAA made them add vampiric screams to show he was a monster.
1: Oh, that's funny.
0: Yeah, it, to show that it wasn't a human being beheaded, but a monster. I don't know. I guess if it was, uh, I don't know what would happen with its, with its grade if it if it, it had been a, a, no no screams. But the screams made the difference. So
1: all that reminds me of is how much I loathe the MPAA and how stupid. <laughs> those darn dweebs who sit around being like you know it'll be okay if you just put in a little a little vampire scream like yeah. really oh okay thanks mpa yeah thanks for another one thanks for saving me from the word cunt once again I- <laughs> <laughs> um i like i feel like i'm the bitter one adam you're so nice i don't know how i feel about this i don't know how about how i feel about being the cranky salty one
0: no i mean if we we can if we were to talk about there's certain movies that i would just yeah i could be i could be really sour about
1: make you do that purposefully pick a movie you hate (laughs) we'll see because you're just so nice, like you're you're just finding such like nice things to say about this movie, and I find it very endearing.
0: I, you know, I I want to be. I mean, it's I it's one. You know, it's very easy to to hate on something, you know, and not uh, not you know if you don't like it, you don't like it. That's fine. I think that there's usually always something good you can pull out of something. You know what I mean? So even the, like the worst movie, there's like that's a really clever shot or that's a really clever special effect. Um,
1: no, nah, it's good. It's nice. It's like having another person like Jack.
0: I try to make the best. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Not me. I sit around curmudgeonly, like cursing off the movie under my breath. Every th- almost nine out of ten movies we watch, I find. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of nice. I like that. Um, you have that. Any other thoughts or ideas or things we want to share about um, Thirty Days of Night?
0: Um, my one thing is that it's this. It, it kind of came full circle in that this was a, um, to be blunt, a failed movie pitch for the longest time. Um, uh, Steve Niles had spent a couple years in the late nineties. Uh, trying to get it pitched as a movie and um, it, it turned down all over the place, including, uh, he, by his own words, uh, one of the producers of the actual movie wasn't it, who ended up producing it. Um, and so for the longest time, he tried to do it. And then when um, the IDW, the company that, that published it, was starting up, uh, he was like, I've got this script. What if we turn it into a comic? And And that's how it kind of came to be. And that sort of... Um, kind of started a, a sort of trend a little bit in comics of like, hey, we want to make this into a movie, so let's just make it into a comic, which doesn't always translate. Um, Mark Miller, who did like Kick Ass and Wanted, when he did the Wanted comics, like the main character looked like Eminem, the Angelique Jolie character looked like Halle Berry, somebody looked like uh, Willem Dafoe. Uh, it was very obvious. He was like, I'm trying to get this into a movie, you know? Um, and so in some ways, Thirty Days Night kind of started that. Um, but not so cravenly as so many other other people have done since.
1: Yeah, that's that's super interesting. You're right because, like, when I think about movies that I like, even like Kickass is such a good example. Like, you know that that just was begging for a movie. And same thing with even like The Walking Dead and stuff like that. Like, I feel like it was only inevitable and only a matter of time. Like certain comics, I'm like, oh, like Lock and Key is one that jumps out to me. Oh, like I can't, i I know. cannot wait.
0: Have you seen the pilot that was floating around from a couple years ago? Yeah, you can poke around. You can find it on you know Vimeo or Daily Motion or one of those you know sites. Um, but yeah, it was the pilot that they tried. Gosh, this must have been about 2010, I guess maybe.
2: Yeah, I think the last I heard that it's possibly coming to Netflix.
0: They've they've, they've been trying for a while on that one.
2: I think, like I said, I'm I'm not pumped. I'm I'd not often excited about that kind of stuff because I'm definitely you know one of those you know the book was better kind of people. So I'm usually like judgy like up front before i even see it but that's one that i that is probably you know like many people it's one of my favorite ones like it's so good Oh yeah um so that is something that i actually would like to see um but like at the same time like i can think of other ones that i would like to see like an animation for i guess i'm kind of I don't want to call myself cliche, but like, I don't know, like the first thing that comes to my mind is like, I would love to watch like a saga animation. That would be like, probably one of the ones that I would want to see most. But yeah, live action lock and key. I, I hope they they work it out. I hope they work it out. And I hope it goes well, because that is one of my favorites. So like, that's one that I want. To
0: Mm, yeah yeah
2: all right um so yeah you want we want to we uh, will move on to the crow um which I don't know I can't speak for you adam but I know that on our side of it uh up here in Jersey this is gonna be nothing but a love fest because this movie is fantastic and amazing and uh I know it definitely shaped me slightly as like a teenager in the 90s oh me too
0: Yeah, I guess I'm sort of in a similar boat. Um, I mean, as a like, just speaking personally, you know, like when this came out, this was uh, 1994, and we, you know, kind of spoiled by all the sort of comic book adaptations on TV and movies now. um, But it was kind of Slim Pickens. I mean, like 89 was Batman, um, and there's also The Punisher, um, (laughs) which I think was directed video. I don't know if that even went to theaters. Um, with Dolph Lundgren, you know, um, and then 1990 was the Ninja Turtle movie, but that, which was kind of comic influenced, but it was more about the cartoon and toys. 1991 was Turtles 2 and then Rocketeer, 92, Batman Returns, 93, Turtles 3, and then we got The Crow and The Mask, actually, in 1994. And this was kind of big because, like, yeah, superhero movies had been adapted. There had been Superman, there had been, you know, Batman, um... Various Marvel stuff was in the works. X-Men was getting going. Um, They were trying, you know, Spider-Man that stuff like that. But this was kind of big. There was um, nothing really else kind of out there. And so just to see this little small comic too, like this, when it was a comic, it was just by this company called Caliber Press. It was the really kind of made the first major comic they had done back in the late eighties. And to kind of sort of come out of nowhere, it was huge, made a huge splash. I do feel that as... um, this is me speaking personally, something that we kind of neglect about horror movies is that oftentimes it's the first time you see nudity <laughs> and for, um, uh, for, for a 12 year old me, like this is the first time, whoa, a butt, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> Um I think that's something that that horror movies that's your first foray into that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's you're so right about that. Just geek culture in general in the early 90s. We like being a total nerd in 1994 was not an easy life and I know because I lived it. And so like it was so fucking legendary to have this movie come out and not only be like an indie comic series that gets big but also infuse all of the grungy fucking awesome gothy shit that we were all just kind of fucking tinkering with at that time too so it was like literally a geek like me's ginormous wet dream to have all of this mixed together so I totally get where you're coming from like because as someone who loved comics and loved horror and loved geek culture before anybody cared or it was cool or socially acceptable like I have, you have no idea how often I pontificate tickets today about how lucky they are that being a nerd is so cool now
0: we well, even have like these like you know, perfectly sculpted celebrities, like, oh my God, I'm such a nerd. I like Star Wars. Like, come on.
1: <laughs> you don't like Star Wars unless you were shoved into a locker with your Yoda thermos because you like Star Wars <laughs> and you were a girl. <laughs> like, it's true. I get very annoyed at how people are like, uh-huh, ah, I'm so nerdy. I like, you know, Harry Potter. Really? Really? Did you wear Quidditch t shirts to uh, frat parties when you were in college? Because I did. <laughs> And that was before you could buy them at Hot Topic. So I get salty. Yeah, here I am again, all salty.
0: No, no, I'm with you. It was was a different time. I mean, it was definitely a different time. And for me, like, I grew up in a small county here in North Carolina. You know, we did have a comic book shop, but, like, it was just – I mean, there was the X-Men cartoon was on Fox, and there was the Batman cartoon, Batman animated series. Um, But there was just, like – and I feel like The Crow – um, had it sort of finger on the pulse of, like, 93, 94. You know, it was shot in 1993 and held up because of, you know, Brandon Lee's death. But, um, like, it, it sort of feels, it's obviously from a different time. Like, it's a time when, like, Kirk Cobain's alive, televisions are square, and, like, the mall wasn't dying. You know? Like, <laughs> it's a time capsule in that way.
1: And it's interesting, too, because, so, I, as a, as somebody who studies criminology, I find it fascinating to look at a film from 1994 in Detroit because it is so perfectly apt at its depiction of crime at its highest. So in, so literally before, 19, 1994 is literally the turning point. Clinton comes out with the 1994 crime bill, which does all these amazing things and gives all this money to all the right things, like rehabbing people and helping with addiction, less incarceration, all that kind of stuff. And I loved watching this movie as like an homage to the late 80s, early 90s dinginess which was every major city. Now, unfortunately, Detroit is obviously still plagued with violence today. But at the end of the day, the 90s were literally, the early 90s were the peak of, like, organized and horrific crime all over this country. So, like, you look at this film and you're like, fuck, man, like... Shit was real in the early 90s. Like, I mean, as someone who grew up right outside of New York City, you did not go into the city unless you wanted to get fucking shanked when you were in the early, <laughs> late 80s, early 90s. Times Square was like fucking porn central. So it's like all of these changes are about to take place. And you're right. It's like this quaint little snapshot of everything that was 1994. Like,
2: yeah, I, um, I watched this movie and, I mean- uh, how many? How many times have we this movie? Whoa. We've seen it countless times. So many times. But I, I watched the movie. The character of Sarah in the movie. All I have to say is, my mom wouldn't let me shave my head, <laughs> but I did get a skateboard because <laughs> Sarah. I wanted to be cool like Sarah. I wanted to wear like a couple different necklaces. I wanted to do the layer thing. Too. And my, I did. Yeah. Rip my pantyhose as soon as I got them. Mm-hmm. Like put the holes in them.
1: Totally. Got my combat boots. Got a skateboard. Ordered my skirt from Delia's. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, no, it's true. All right. So let's dive in here. So 1994's The Crow directed by Alex Perez, who would go on to do like iRobot and Dark City.
0: But has a background in music videos. Uh, and I think that shows throughout the movie
1: totally because yeah. there it, 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 it really becomes a music video so on and off and and that's a perfect segue into this fucking incredible soundtrack
2: oh the soundtrack I remember I remember the first time I heard the soundtrack because oh I was at my friend's house and she got it for her birthday yeah. and we sat down and we listened to it from start to finish and that song by the cure yeah. like, literally like elicited like I got goosebumps like I had
1: a physical reaction to that song
0: yeah.
1: Two men I fell in love with and would stay in love with for mo- most of my life, actually most of their lives, since one of them is dead. Scott Wyland and Henry Rollins, thanks to the soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember just being feeling like the coolest fucking shithead in school because I would like listen on my walk med to all my STP. This whole album was so yeah. good, start to finish. Uh, like an amazing even the uh the cover who covers the uh the Joy Division song? I forget. I think it's Nine Inch Nails, I think.
0: Yeah, it up. Dead Souls. Yeah, he did it. Nine inch, nails. Nine inch nails did it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like it's interesting because so many like there's rage right, rage right, against the machines on I mean, this is so good. Yeah. Yeah, you said the kid. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Um, yeah, but you're right. It does feel at times so I'm gonna get my gripes out of the way. My two big gripes. It, number one, the the dark nihilistic feel of this movie. I, I have to admit this isn't one I revisit a lot anymore. Because I just get so fucking bummed out by the whole revenge plotline, and I'm like, no! And the darkness of it, like, just kind of messes with me now that I'm older. And also, full disclosure, I do think some some of the dialogue and just some of the overall directorial choices are a little heavily put on. That's it, though. I love this movie. Other than that,
0: I concur. Uh, I think I think that the I think yeah, I'm with you on the the dialogue, and a lot of that is comes from the comic and. I feel that, um, well, let me just get in a little bit of the comic real quick. Just, um, it was, uh, published in 1989. Um, and it was James O'Barr, who's the writer and artist. It was his first work. And, um, it's based off his inspiration is his life and that he was going to go pick up his girlfriend and she was killed by a drunk driver. Um, and this has been like the late seventies and he'd been starting this comic and like, 1981 or so to to work through the grief, and you kind of see that kind of come across. Um, but I do feel that it just a lot of the dialogue in the comic and that that is then used in the movie is that sort of like something that a you know early twenty year old would think is is important or 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 witty or pithy or um, those those kind of things. And and I don't know if that holds up. You're right.
2: Oh, see, now I I don't mind the dialogue, and I actually still will quote this movie and think that I'm cool because I quote a movie
1: from oh, you 1994. It, you are.
2: <laughs> I don't know. No, I you know what? I don't I don't mind the dialogue one bit in this movie. Like to me, like it just all is one complete package. Um, I will say though, this is one of the rare occasions where. I like the movie better than
0: than the book. Yeah, the book's kind of rough in some ways. Like it, but it's but it's it's I think it, it's it's from an interesting time, and it's sort of the same sort of line that brought us like the uh, the Ninja Turtles comic is that it was these these guys who didn't come up through the normal kind of comic book industry they didn't start out as like an assistant or you know doing backgrounds or sound effects you know these kind of things they just were like hey let's make a comic book and so they didn't really know what rules they're breaking and there is a sort of amateurish quality to the art and storytelling but there is a sort of rawness and passion It's sort of the same thing like you know a grunge rock band versus you know creed you know <laughs> you can have energy and emotion or you can have technical you know precision and i think that it does capture a little bit of that sort of 80s late 80s into early 90s um that sort of rawness and passion that was sort of in the you know culture at the time but yeah the the comic doesn't i feel like hold up very well
2: no it's just well and you know what obviously seeing the movie first um with the comic book you know he he goes for his his revenge plot Mm -hmm. and it's like okay he took revenge they're all dead now the end, you know, where at least with the movie, like, you know, obviously they're going to like Hollywood the movie up, you know, they're going to yeah. punch it up to make it a little more, you know. Oh, I need it
1: though. After all that darkness and all that grunge and all that angst, I need her to come at the end. I really do. Yeah. Like,
2: yeah, that, the way that, you the know, like, they, like I mean. you know, and, and, and like they do with many, you know, movie or, or I'm sorry, many comic book or book adaptations, you're going to combo a couple characters. Like in the comic book, the uh Ernie, uh not Ernie.
0: Uh, yeah, Ernie Hudson. Played uh Albrecht is the character's name, Albrecht, yeah.
2: Yeah, like they comboed two characters from the comic book to make his character. Mm-hmm. And one thing that is my biggest pet peeve, it's not no, that's a lie. It's not my biggest pet peeve. It just annoys me. They changed the name um Sarah in the comic book. Uh, I'm sorry, uh Sarah in the movie is Sherry in the comic book. Right. When Hollywood changes the name of a character because it's too similar to another character. It's like we're Shelly too stupid. Sherry. Yeah, it's like we're too stupid to tell the difference between Shelly
1: and Sherry. So they made it Shelly and Sarah. And
2: I just, I, they, you're, I mean, you are talking to a girl who
1: has to, you're talking to the girl who has to put on the captions now because I can't hear so good. <laughs> <I'm> so, <laughs> <laughs> I personally appreciate those yeah, little changes. No, I, don't, I don't know.
2: Like, that just always kind of irks me that, like, we're not like they're—they're they're implying the audience is not smart enough to tell the difference. Well, I
0: think it, it, it's setting up for for different people's you know auditory abilities, but um, I think when you're reading it, you you see S H E R R I. That's obviously different than S A R A H. You know.
1: No, you, yeah, you no, no that's just there. a little a little pet peeve of mine. So here's what I'm gonna say. First of all, I don't know that this is a horror movie.
0: I think it's supernatural horror in that you know it's like kind of like a ghost coming back or, or spirit coming back to. I mean technically he's a zombie so
1: i was gonna say what is is he a ghost or is he a zombie
0: i'm gonna i would fall i guess uh, i guess he would fall in the category of zombie
2: yeah i mean because he's corporeal right you i know words
1: damn yeah
2: that's from buffy i i, I attribute <laughs> buffy the vampire slayer i think oh, what season they season seven season eight for knowing what a corporeal object is <laughs> uh but, uh, but I yeah, no, I'm really
1: impressed that you whipped that out from out of nowhere. I thought it yeah. was like your SAT word of the day.
2: No, because I watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I agree. I think he's definitely more zombie than ghost. But I like that they even ask him that. And he, you know, uh, Albrecht says, like, are you a ghost? And he's kind of like, I don't know what I am.
0: Which is the most grunge thing you could say. The most Gen X kind of thing you could say in 1994 it was, like, I don't know what I am. I also think it's horror in, in uh, and for me, what always sort of counts as horror, um, and th- I, I come to horror by way of like Twilight Zone and not so much slasher stuff. And it's it's the horror that we do to each other, and it's the horror that that you can't stop. And and so for him to like walk into his house and see Shelley being assaulted by the, these this gang, and like that that's to me that that is horror, you know.
1: Yeah, no, you make a really good point, and like thinking of like the history of like revenge horror flicks. I kinda like that it's like a little bit of a, a twist on it in that it's the guy getting revenge for what happened to them. Like I find it fascinating. Like I almost categorize this with like last house on the left and I spit on your grave and like and like it's brutal. Like I love at the end when he puts his hand on him he's like, I give you the pain now. Oh you know, god yeah like every time. Yeah. Because like the watching those scenes and like I remember being probably too young to watch this and being having so many like just horrible feelings about what they endured and especially what Shelly endured. And it's, it's crazy. And like the innocence of the kid who's involved and then the mother, like there's so much good. Oh, pathos Fucking in this. Darla. Fucking, fucking Darla. Darla. <laughs> uh, there's so they, for all of it's like video nineties aesthetic. It does a great job of creating really good pathos. Like it works every time for me.
2: I think so. I'll, obviously, this is Brandon Lee's
1: final movie. We yeah. all know, like he died, he died for in, this movie. You know, in in the making, this movie hadn't been finished. It was a, a, a gun that was supposed to be a stunt bullet and wasn't. Right?
0: It was. It was a. It was. It was a revolver that had guns, bullets in the chamber, so it would look right on, on film. And they didn't know that one had moved into. Uh, the, uh, it was a six shooter, so you could see the bullets on the edge, you know. And they didn't know one had moved in, and so they had a blasting cap. For the, the the muzzle flash, you know, and it shot the dummy bullet out. That's that's how it happened.
1: And the dummy bullet killed
0: him. Yes, wow, it was. Yeah. They had three days left to shoot. It was the scene when he comes home, um, and he's and they're, and they're they're attacking uh, Shelley. It was that that scene. Um, and so they had pretty much finished up every everything with the movie, but um, that was a big story here because this was shot in Wilmington. Um and uh my aunt lived there at the time. And so it was it was a big like kind of local local story here when that happened.
1: Isn't that where One Tree Hill was shot?
0: Yes it was. It was also if the the music club scene in this movie looks familiar, it was the foot layer in the Ninja Turtle movie and uh the Super Mario Brothers.
1: Um oh, I'm Starstruck.
2: I was gonna say there's a lot of stuff filmed.
0: Yeah. Blue Velvet, um Richie Rich movie, um all kinds
1: Isn't that where the Creek was filmed too?
0: What, Dawson's Creek, yeah, yeah.
1: I am almost embarrassed to admit that just one tree hill in Dawson's Creek is enough for me to get giddy and like high school and be <laughs> like, he, 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 "I gotta go there."
0: Giant mural of Dawson's Creek at this um uh, this movie studio, uh, or I think it's a po- post production facility in Wilmington. The huge mural on the side of the building of Dawson's Creek. So,
1: wow, that a Dawson's Creek mural to this day?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, as of like, gosh, six years ago, maybe five years ago, yeah.
1: Never goes out of style. Yeah.
2: Um, so I don't know if you did this, Adam, but um, my brother, I could say, was the crow at least three or four Halloweens in a row. <laughs>
0: Well, I have glasses and as a kid it was always hard doing Halloween with glasses. So, um, you know you don't want to be awkward like, Hey, I'm the crow, but I got glasses. Um, it doesn't really pull off, you know. Like Yeah,
2: Brian Brian had long dark hair and a leather a leather jacket, a long like leather duster. And yeah, he was definitely the crow a couple of Halloweens.
0: I'm pretty sure I did the crow in like for pastels in art class though. I'm pretty sure I did that. Yeah.
1: Oh my god, yeah. I had crow stuff. I was so in love with Brandon Lee, too. It wasn't even funny. And I also, like, feel like the whole grungy, le- like, my grunge look was directly impacted by this film. Like like you were yeah. saying, like, because I took the very jeans and flannel Seattle look infused in this dark leathery look. And I was like, look how cool I am. Yeah. yeah. Um, and eyeliner for days, too. <laughs> um. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, okay, other than Ernie Hudson wearing his hat, his police hat, with his underoos, which I'm so <laughs> glad that he's like, why the fuck are you wearing your hat? Because I had the same thought. <laughs> um, other than that, I, I I just absolutely adore this movie. He
2: was wearing his hat because he's just so consumed with this case. that he he's just do- not even thinking. You know, sure, he'll take his pants off, but... You know, he's still in the case inside his head, and he didn't think to take that shirt off or that hat off. You
1: know, I will defend you, Ernie Hudson,
2: to my death. I will defend you.
1: Having worn those hats, having worn the uniform, I could categorically say the first thing that came off of my body every time was the doofy hat I had to wear to be a police officer. <laughs> um, but yeah, nevertheless, I love Ernie Hur- H- Hudson. He is a national charger.
2: I I know he really is it makes me so mad that he kind of gets like shunted out of like a lot of Ghostbusters stuff like I have a Ghostbusters Mm. t-shirt and he's not on it. it's just fucking racist I know that's what I'm saying
0: do you not sign off on the rights or something
2: I don't know but like I have like somebody like like people will like send me something or like I'll see like a poster and it's always Bill Murray Dan Aykroyd and Hal Ray. Okay, but to be fair, he was the add-on one.
0: But he's in the second one, so
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's part of the team. You know, he helped defeat. I'm just saying. Uh, but no, er, yes, Ernie Hudson is a national treasure, and I actually saw him at a convention once. I didn't go to his panel, but I peeked through the door and I saw him, and I waved. So that. I love when you I'm say with Ernie. I'm friends with Ernie Hudson. That, that means yeah, that you guys are friends. I'm totally. Um, him.
1: I will always love him in Congo, bad gorilla, <laughs> always. <laughs> I stand by my love of Congo. Can we watch that tonight? We're gonna watch watch Congo tonight. Done, done. Now we know who we're watching too. Perfect. (laughs) Dad, Gorilla. Who needs the good Michael Crichton when you've got Congo? Oh,
2: um.
1: So obviously,
2: I think I started saying this before. With Brandon Lee's death, they did have to do some computer, uh, some special effect. The computer effects, special effects. They had to do some some work to complete the movie and I know like one of the scenes is when he first comes back from the dead and he's walking to his old apartment there are scenes when he's like walking through a door he like opens the door to the apartment and he's walking through that that's all computer generated like that's not actually his face
0: yeah there's one of him like when he's got the makeup and stuff on he's like walking um and like lightning's flashing and he's like he's in darkness, and then the lightning flashes. You see his face, and lightning flashes again. You see his face. That's another scene. Um, and I think it was most of it. All the replacement stuff was like his stunt double or his stand-in. Yeah. And then they, um, and I think, oh, the makeup, him putting on the makeup. That was his his uh, stunt double or stand-in doing that because you don't. His hands are always moving around his face. You don't. You know, you don't really have to see the.
2: Yeah, they they did a lot of stuff with that. Like there's a scene where he's like. Like, that, that whole entire, like, montage of him going back to the apartment, there's the scene where it's just you're – the camera is his point of view pulling down the police tape to walk into the building. Like, they had to make some choices. And they did, some, I think they did a good job I with did, it. I yeah. Yeah. Like I said, some I feel like you can tell. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you can tell some more than others. Like, when he's walking into the door, the f- I don't think I don't think him. it's as noticeable as the scene when he's putting on the makeup and he punches the mirror.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think is a more noticeable scene. But I think, you know what, honestly, for, you know, what they had to work with and the in, fact that it in 1994, 1994 yeah. 93, 94, like, I think it was done well.
0: And, you know, it changed the narration. The narration being uh, uh, Sarah's narration.
1: Oh, I didn't yeah. know
0: that. It was supposed to be his, it was supposed to be Brandon Lee's narration. Um, and also sort of changed the, um, uh, the crow, the, the actual crow, like the crow kind of, um gives us a little bit of information that otherwise we wouldn't have, have gotten, you know, um, and, and that sort of changed part of it too with, with his, with his, his, uh, his, his death.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I, and I feel like it made it that much more legendary and it made it like so much more profound, like just the themes of it and everything. Like the fact that he died, like I remember being really like just about at, like, it was to me like this his death and this, the whole production debacle was very memorable for some reason.
0: But yeah, or you know, Kurt Cobain dies like a month before this comes out. Right. And I, in in some ways, I think his obviously Kurt Cobain's death sort of closes the door. I think on a lot of grunge and a lot of its its place in in you know um, pop culture. You know the you know. In, the next couple of years, it's kind of, kind of shrugs along. And so this, I feel was, it was, you know, shot in 1993. I don't know when it, they anticipated it being out, but I think, you know, this also serves as sort of a bookend in a lot of ways of, of that, you know, 92 to 94 kind of grunge alternative, you know. At first I was like, what?
1: But no, you're right. You're right. There's, I definitely think 94 is when it's, we're definitely Seeing the decline of that movement,
0: or or becoming more commercialized, and you have you know lots of alternative bands being signed, and you know you know talk ten radio play and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the the this is the turning point where it becomes very mainstream and it becomes the thing it hated.
2: I, you know, I do agree, but I'm also the person that is still holding on to grudge as much as I possibly can. Yeah, Jackie, like no,
1: Jackie hasn't gotten the memo that it's not a thing. Yeah, maybe. like,
2: I'm still clutching, like, my Pearl Jam CDs, like, my CDs. I'm still clutching my Bikini Kill CD as close to my heart yeah. as humanly like possible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, she. nobody told her, so please be gentle about the fact that grudge is, is actually gone. Uh, we, we haven't had the heart to break it into her.
0: You know, one other um, change from the movie or from the comics to the movie that I, I don't know if I necessarily like is um, in the comics, uh, Eric and Shelly are just having car trouble on the side of the road and the gang comes by, they're they're high and like they start hassling them and then, you know, attack attack Shelly and kill them. Um, and so... I sort of appreciate, especially from, you know, James O'Barr's perspective of, you know, a drunk driver killing his girlfriend, I, I, that, that sort of, it's not the bullet with your name on it you have to worry about. It's the one marked to whom it may concern, you know, like these people just had a car trouble and then their you know, their lives are ended, you know, whereas in the movie, like it's a condemned building that Shelly's trying to save. And then top dollar sends in the gang to kind of rougher up and change her mind and stuff, which I don't, like, I don't understand real estate deals being a, like, motivation, which was a big thing, like, in 80s and 90s movies, like, Ernest Goes to Camp, the Brady Bunch movie, Flintstone's live-action movie. It's, like, it's all about, like, your real estate deals. Um, so I did not like that part.
1: Oh, I kind of dug the, like, that as a motivator, because I also feel like, given the, like, crime boss feel that the early 90s had. I kind of, I bought it. Like, I like it. Yeah. I also like that your examples were Ernest at, uh, the Brady Bunch mm-hmm. movie.
0: And the Flintstones live action movie. One of the Superman movies, right, two? Or, or the first one, I can't remember. One of them was about Lex like, Luthor trying to get land. I can't remember. And maybe Superman Returns as well. I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> it seems like it's a common thing for Lex like, Luthor. Um.
2: Okay, here's a question. And I don't know if this is, like, something, like, if this is rude or not, you know? Would, would this movie be the, the, I guess, I don't even want to call it a cult classic because I don't think it's a cult classic. I think it's just like an outright classic. No, but would it's it, a
1: cult classic.
2: Would it, would this movie be what it is if Brandon Lee had survived? Yes. You think so? I mean, I'm not saying that it, it would or wouldn't. I'm just curious that like, no. would it have this, the gravitas that it has Dude, you're so classy <laughs> tonight. It's like, I'm almost aroused. Nice. That's the plan. That's the plan. And then we're going to watch Kongo. Kongo to Snuggle together uh, But no, like, would it, like, do you think that it would have, like, would it have the same impact if if he hadn't died?
0: I think it's the same way as Heath Ledger dying um, before Dark Knight came out. Um, I think so many, I mean, Dark Knight's a perfectly good movie. Don't get me wrong. It's a perf- perfectly good movie. I feel like it's subscribed a lot more importance than it then it warrants because it is Heath ledger's final performance i think i think um you know the behind the scenes stuff with bruce lee dying means it lost its distributor for a little while um and didn't know if it was going to come out Thought it might be direct-to-video um so it had a shaky start to begin with you know it was i think uh, uh, originally planned to be direct-to-video which i think would have maybe been better for it i feel like that was an instant like ticket to cult classic if something was direct to video in the, like the early 90s but um yeah i don't know if I, I feel like if he had lived i think there would have been one of those things where if he would have gone on to do other things it would have been this kind of like hey remember but you were in the crow you know like how people like to you know dump on actors who who did stuff that doesn't hold up as well but i obviously you think the crow holds up well um
1: uh, <laughs> you not that's cute i'm interested
0: no, I think I, I I do think it's an artifact. I think it's it's definitely one of those things. Like, you, it it screams early nineties. I don't know, like, if you were if a a a twenty year old person today watching it for the first time, I don't know if they would it would mean as much to them. No. you know, which is fine. Um, but it's just one of those things that it's definitely of its time. And I think I think if you can come at it with the right goggles and stuff like that, yes, there is it is a lot to appreciate about it. Um, a lot to like about it. Um, and a lot to, to, um, you know, to, to respect about it. And for what, for the groundbreak for the groundbreaking moves it did make. Cause so I think it did look, like we talked earlier about like the sort of, you know, grunge culture and, you know, the visuals, uh, music video, um, influenced movies. There was, I can't really think of anything prior to this that a major motion picture that had that sort of music video influence, um, to, to this degree, um, yeah, and plus, I mean, you know, the director would go on to do Dark City, you know, so which I think is I, that's that's a that's a cult classic, definitely. So
1: sure, yeah, and very aesthetically similar, if you ask me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, no, I don't disagree, and I also think you're right. I think looking at it with a modern lens, it really doesn't hold up, and I think we just love it nostalgically too much to admit that. Well, E.T. doesn't hold
0: up. You know, I don't think I'm, I'm maybe in the minority here, but I don't think E.T. holds up. I think E.T. is a product of being young and in the '80s. You know.
1: No, it doesn't, especially because literally when you watch it with your children, like I do, you then sit there and cringe at all of the cringy '80s things that we all just thought were fine. What's wrong? With you? I don't know. What's I... wrong with the both of you? <laughs> you guys are killing me. just holds up. Goonies doesn't hold up. ET doesn't hold up. This doesn't hold up. I'm gonna keep it real. I am not snuggling with you (gasps) today. This is coming from the girl wearing a thermal like it's nineteen ninety-four. She's got a t-shirt with a long sleeve white thermal under it. Yeah, she's
0: thermal coming through the sleeve.
1: Yeah, all she needs is to tuck a hole into it so that she can put her thumb through it. Because Jackie has never left nineteen ninety-four. And that's why she's gonna be livid with us for having these conversations. And I love her for it. I love everything about her style. Because Jackie, I love her like like a sister, but she's like it's nineteen she's got her green chucks, her green t-shirt, and her fucking white thermal. But it's like a hardcore thermal. Like it's definitely like a Haynes. You know, because she wouldn't wear, like, an Old Navy version of a thermal. Wearing a fucking thermal. Like my grandpa would wear to work in 1978. (laughs) Deny it! Go ahead, she's dancing. She's dancing around. me right now. And and also, I hate to say it, but, like, I hate to throw the kids' card out there, but, like, I watched Goonies with my daughters, and in the first five minutes, there's a high-speed chase with gunshots and a fucking dead body. And then there's, like, like my, my daughter was like, Why are they so mean to the guy who's special needs? Like in this day and age, well, sloth yeah. and then like it was the a fact that they make though. I know, but how do you translate that to today? You can't well, I mean show your kids like fucking Al
2: Jolson and Blackface and you, you tell them- that When like, they're it, old and they can understand
1: <laughs> these things. Yes, I will. I'm not going to show them that today, Jeff. No, no. I, just, I don't mean to say to show them, but I'm just saying that like- She's like, just, don't, don't, just put on, uh, what's it called? The birth of a nation. They'll be fine. No, I'm just saying that like, you know, you can't you
2: can't explain or justify something that was made that long ago. I and agree. try to
1: translate it, like make it make sense to I today. agree. But when you look at it through the lens of today- I you, there's no excusing fair. it. I don't think it's fair to do that. Though. But our children and our
0: can I, can I chime in and say I've never seen Goonies? Nah. Yes. <laughs> I've never, never seen Goonies. I've seen, I've seen the episode of the Goldbergs that parodies the Goonies. I've seen enough uh, to know, like, get the references. Like, I both love Chunk. Yeah, I get it. Truffle Shuffle. haha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the guy holding up data, or whatever. You are my greatest invention. Yeah, I get it. Um, but I've never, never seen it.
1: No, you know what? I don't know that I watch you on the show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you are obviously no friend to the Jersey Ghouls. If you have never endured goodies. You're
0: saying you all are. of it. You're an <laughs> animal. You are. Now, now I'm too old for you're it. You're going to hate it. If
1: you watch it now, you're going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Like, just don't watch it. That's my advice. Let it be just cool in your head.
0: I'm not, I'm, I probably will never, never watch it.
1: Um. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, you're gonna regret it if you watch it. I've
0: also never seen Princess Bride.
1: You've seen Princess Bride.
0: I've, I've not. I've not.
1: Oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> Princess uh, Bride
2: is okay. What? <laughs> Here, there you go. I think Princess Bride's an okay movie.
1: It's not a great movie. Oh my it's god! An okay movie. You know what? This is turning into a deathly, deadly <laughs> confessions that are gonna ruin the Jersey School's episode. <laughs> You're welcome. Princess Bride is flawless. Oh. Flawless. It's. I'm not saying it's a bad movie,
2: but I don't think it's a great movie. Oh my God. I don't think it's great. Inconceivable. <laughs> that's the scene I like. I like uh, the scene with the
1: Sicilian.
2: Never I right. Don't...
1: Never trust a Sicilian when your life is on the line. <laughs> um, which is actually how I But I live by that with yep. you. Yeah, I so do. <gasps> you, I can't believe you say that's okay, but you stand by the Goonies and all. Can I
0: just chime in that I, it's, perfectly fine that a movie is perfectly fine. I feel like over the past like decade, it's like if a movie doesn't like blow your mind and like, OMG, then it's like a, a war crime. You know, like, like it's not, you know, I don't, I, I think the, most of your favorite movies are probably sixes or sevens. You know, your favorite movies probably aren't like nines or tens. Back to the Future is not a 10. You know, Back to the Future is probably at best an eight.
1: Okay, but there are certain movies that literally have to blow your mind or you don't understand cinema.
0: Well I think you can appreciate it. I think you'd appreciate especially like, you know, movies made from the past.
1: Like AFI AFI. Now I call it AFI because of that podcast. AFI list, like movie I'm not talking like ones like the goodies where at the end of the day I could, I like, cinematically speaking, we may all love it, but you're right. I th- but then you have to admit there's some movies that if people can't respect and appreciate them, they need to just stop watching films.
0: I mean, even Casablanca and Citizen Kane get ones on IMDb. You can appreciate the old stuff, but it's just, you got to recognize that they're from a different time, you know? Like, like the Goonies being from the 80s, you know?
1: You're right. And I, don't get me wrong, I love me the Goonies. I, the only thing I was trying to say before, before Jackie almost killed me for it, that like you can't get my daughter to appreciate the goodies. She might think it's cool retro. Like she'll be like ah, it's a, you know, like she'll quote the movie. But at the end of the day, like a kid today doesn't get half of it. Like it's just appalling to them. Like,
0: <laughs> also like like rotary phones or phones with cords or or answering machines. You know. Like.
1: Um. No, that's really funny. I really would. I really would highly recommend the Princess Bride.
0: I, you know, I know, like I said, I know all the references, you know, you're my father, you know, uh, I'm, I'm talking about whatever, blah, 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 you kill my father, um, have fun storming the castle, all that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, I know enough so that it, like, it's kind of, I think would be ruined for me if I tried to watch it.
1: Adam, I'm going to say this. Uh, you might be living a little bit of a lie <laughs> because, <laughs> because you might love the Goonies, but you're no Goonies. You'd go on Andy's Bucket. No, what's his name's Bucket? Troy's Try. Bucket. So he's not gonna get, that, get reference. that reference, <laughs> right? You won't watch it, will you?
0: I don't we'll see. The problem is there's so many other movies. That's the thing, It's like there's so many other things that I definitely want to see that it's now I, hold on, here, there's so many things that I, that I want to see, and then there's so many things that I should see. I don't know how high on the should see Princess Bride is. I'll get to it probably eventually.
2: No, that's okay. Um, So, do we have anything else?
0: Interesting piece of trivia. Director of photography, Darius Wolski, would go on to shoot, first of all, one of my most favorite movies ever, and I think the most beautiful movies ever, Prometheus. But he would shoot the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, which were written by 30 Days of Night writer Scott Beattie. Time is a flat circle.
1: Yeah,
2: and there it is. Yeah, we can wrap up. Okay, So, uh, we hope you guys have enjoyed our comic to film episode uh, with our friend Adam, who, you know, we're going to thank Adam for joining us, but I also personally want to thank Adam, because I think it was probably at this point maybe seven or eight years ago, we were having a conversation about comic books. And I was telling him that like, I'm not really into the whole like superhero thing, but like, I don't know, throw me some recommendations. And I got a super sweet care package in the mail. And he started me on my horror comic, uh, adventures. He sent me some like Eerie's, And I think like one of the tales from the vault. And from there, I mean, I have amassed a pretty solid collection. Um, fell madly in love with Alan Moore work and stuff like that. Like I do have some superhero stuff. Uh, It's actually more like DC than Marvel, but um, pretty much my, my personal favorite publisher is IDW, like everything they put out. I love, I have so much IDW stuff. Um, But yeah, so I want to thank him for that. And uh, again, thank you, Adam, for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me. And you're completely welcome. I'm glad I could, corrupt you into comics yeah i you can find me at adamcasey.com to find my art and stuff like that um, or instagram adam c casey uh, there so yeah thanks thanks, thanks, y'all
1: yeah it's been really awesome having you on we really appreciate it we'd love to have you on again soon thank you
2: Adam for joining us and don't forget to check us out on social media just search Jersey Ghouls and you're gonna find us on Instagram and Facebook please join our Facebook group because you can talk to Adam who is very active on our Facebook group come and join the conversation you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and the YouTube we make the video with the YouTube <laughs> we do we, we haven't made a YouTube video in a long- long time but we're there so you know you can you can recap some old videos there Uh, you can find our podcast on pretty much any podcast app and we will see you guys next time bye -bye. Bye. driving faster in my